All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, 
on all platforms. Go check them out. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. Remember, promo code hockey season. They've got you covered on all your trading card needs. There's a lot of good stuff out there right now, folks. The best part about Zephyr Epic, aside from the fact they have a retail location in Surrey that you could check out, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... Well, from where their retail store is in Surrey, you can still be in Surrey and get it shipped to you. So, from Surrey to Sexsmith, Surrey to Sexsmith, which is in Alberta. I've heard of that place. I've worked in Sexsmith before. What did you do there? Uh, I worked for a company where we went and drove to like rig sites because uh, Sexsmith is like just north um, of Grand Prairie. Like it is basically like attached to Grand Prairie, just a little bit north of Grand Prairie. Uh, I worked for a company that was based out of Sexsmith, and we would drive to rig sites and we'd go clean it up, and we'd get paid a ridiculous amount of money to drive out on these uh, logging roads, get to an oil rig, uh, and all we would do is like clean up the site while the guys were away for a week or whatever. They were shut down and it was super easy. You'd show up and there'd be like three planks, like a 12, like a 12 case of beer, then like some garbage laying around and we'd get paid for like 12 hours because we had to drive like six hours each way to get there. Then the cleanup wouldn't take very long. Then boom, we're out of there. So Sexsmith, Surrey to Sexsmith, all the way out there, Northern Alberta. Lesser known fact, Fantasy Factory. Yeah. Headquartered in Sexsmith. What's Fantasy Factory? You don't know Fantasy Factory? No. Do they not have Fantasy Factory in Nanaimo? Okay, so this is my this is my experience with Fantasy Factory. Um, also, if you have kids in the car, probably a good idea to yeah, fast where are we forward going a little with this, bit. Pod? So Fantasy Factory is, what I can tell, is a adult store. Um, my, my understanding of it is driving by it as a kid... With my dad, who was a truck driver, I would go to work with him, and then we would end up in like South Van and stuff. And like they had, they had a couple locations, I think, around the Lower Mainland, but never anywhere that I usually went. So I was at work with my dad one day. I was like probably five or six in his truck. I was like, "Dad, what's Fantasy Factory?" Because I was an avid reader, I could read stuff. So I was like, "Dad, what's Fantasy Factory?" And it was like similar to The Lion King. You know when Mufasa tells Simba, "You must never go there." Yeah, it was similar advice from my dad. Okay, uh, so I don't know much about Fantasy Factory. But I do know that it is an adult goods store. And sorry, what's the tie-in here to Sexsmith? You just said it. Did it not click? No, you know, like a blacksmith makes... Oh, I see what you're doing. It was it was a weak joke that I've now had to explain for yeah, about no. two minutes. So. Um, okay. Um, home of the Sexsmith Vipers as well mm. in the NWJHL, which I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe the Northwest Junior Hockey League. Sounds about right? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, six locations of Fantasy Factory in the Lower Mainland, extending from Vancouver okay. all the way to Maple Ridge. There's one right by your house. Oh, wow. <clears throat> That's good news. I thought that when you mentioned Fantasy Factory, I thought you were talking about uh, it was a television show on uh, MTV. Rob Deerdeck's uh, Fantasy Factory had that big uh, yeah, I don't Fantasy think, Factory. I don't and, think uh, there's much business for Rob Deerdeck and Sexsmith as there much is in uh, no, Fantasy but, hey, Factory. Former NA, oh, you know what? Current NHLer. From Sexsmith as well. Carter Rowney, who uh, was played on the Detroit Red Wings last year. Very former, um, I don't know, maybe he was a former uh, Sexsmith Viper himself. That's something we could like easily check. Well, yeah, I go sure. on to the DoorDash read. So well, be sure so to check out. Quickly, you know, I like my uh, my populations. Oh, of course. My bad. 2,600 
uh, in Sexsmith. Here's the thing. These Wikipedia things, you know, I, I go and I look out the populations. They're all from like 2016. Has there not been a census done since 2016? No, I, I saw they were doing one recently, but does it take a while to, to get the census information? Who knows? I'm Probably. sure someone knows. Also, <laughs> got a couple, not reviews. In the, we, the reviews that we got in the review thing are nice, but had a few people... Uh, tweet about our last episode a lot of good feedback which was awesome uh ray hack giving us a shout out on twitter appreciate that ray uh anna forsyth of the oh, c4 podcast, she was pissed who who is you know she's british she said anytime quads or favor give their hockey thoughts take it to the bank questionable give anytime <laughs> they give any takes or even facts on geography or food take it with a million asterisks and please check in with your Brit- check in your British takes with me next time or how to pronounce sauce. We I, I told her that we would explain why we were calling sauce source. Shout out to Anna. She brought me back my favorite uh, British candies when she went back oh, home a couple great. handful of months ago. I got those uh, and they are long gone, by the way. Those didn't last more than 48 hours in my house. So thank you for that, Anna. And yeah, you can explain the source. I'll now. explain the source. But first, like we said, Check out Zephyr Epic and also DoorDash, delivered to you by DoorDash, DD, capital C, capital Ds. Uh, that will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. We're approaching the 10-minute mark, Chris, so I have to explain this fast. Sources say, if you've been listening to the warm-up or the Canucks warm-up, formerly known as, on Sportsnet 650 with Faber and Quads, will be on Saturday morning, 9 to 12, uh, if you want to tune in. A couple times on air, we've used the word source as a substitute for sauce. And people are wondering why. So there is an Instagram account, Superped Jason, who's like a competitive eater. And he posts these insane meals, like absolutely wild meals. Like I just pulled one up, red pepper and mozzarella parcels, veg spring rolls, bolognese and bacon flavor mayonnaise and orange. Lovely. Okay. So that's how he captions his post. So you can go look this up. It's Super P-E-D Jason on Instagram, about 37,000 followers. Uh, we've recently discovered him, and, and it's it's a constant topic in our group chats, and he spells sauce as source. Like, yeah. he'll say, there's cheese source here. So so we all say it, because I think the joke started as Faber looks at this and thinks it's light work. I Yeah, the meals that he puts together are things that I would do myself. Maybe in my younger days even more, but he the fact that he's committed to these meals that are just covered in source uh, the source that he uses it's a lot of cheese source he calls it brown source i don't know why he calls it source when it's sauce and it's it's just you know that's something we've gone into that was a little bit too much and we said it so many times on the last podcast that it was like someone was gonna catch on it was way too like inside baseball for people to understand that joke unless they've like listened to every episode of the Sportsnet show but yeah. Yeah, that, uh, so, that's the reason why. Had to explain it off the top, and it was very funny because us talking about this uh, brings me to Ray's tweet. We said, latest episode of Canuck Con was fantastic. Also want to add that both quads and favor have carved out such a unique niche. He's definitely right about that. We're the only show talking about cheese source in this market. Lucky to have them in Bright Futures and Hockey. Thanks, yeah. Ray. Appreciate and last episode, I tell you, man, that interview there. Oh, oh man. So good. Pickering's Owen Pickering, awesome. just fantastic talker. Team is going to be very happy to have him. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, seems Big like six one foot of five defensemen too. Baby. Seems like he uh, could be one of the good dudes in this game. No, yeah. uh, no prospect interview on this episode, but we'll be back uh, on the midweek show with another one. Uh, top fifty prospect, another one joining us here. Okay, we're approaching the ten minute mark, so you know what time it is, Chris. We have to actually go to the outline which you have prepared, as you so often do. You've prepared it, Bruce Boudreaux, Chris. 
making waves this week as Jim Rutherford, as we discussed on the last episode, we said we'd break it down a little bit more on this episode. Jim Rutherford speaking on the Daily Faceoff Rundown podcast and saying a lot of things, really. But I think the big thing that people took away from that interview, Chris, was how he kind of talked more about the structure that he wants to see the team play with, right? And he, he spoke much more about relying on Thatcher Demko, being over-reliant on Thatcher Demko, uh, wants the team to not have to rely on Demko so heavily. I think that's a fair assessment of the team. And then Bruce Boudreaux went on Sportsnet 650, spoke with Dan Risho and Satyar Shaw, spoke and said, I'm not going to apologize for having a goaltender as good as Demko, because if you look at all the good teams, again, of course, I'm paraphrasing here, folks, but if you look at all the good teams, they all have a great goaltender, so I'm not going to apologize for having great goaltending. And I know some people took issue with this, and they said, oh, the, the messaging is mixed. Like, it's mixed messaging. And while that's true to an extent, what I gleaned from that, Chris, is that the coach's job is to coach, right? He's been given the team he's been given. He's not going to apologize that with what he's given, he needs his team to play a run-and-gun style and they can rely on Demko, right? Sure, you would like to see them not be over-reliant on Demko. I think the way I took it is both things can be true. Management should and can be critical of the team and say, we need to play with more structure. They need to go out and get the guys to do it. That's where I think it starts to get lost a little bit in translation because Rutherford said we don't have the best defense in the league by any means, but our guys should be able to play with more structure and they should be able to play better than they did this season. I I believe those were the words he used uh, when he was discussing his defense and their their god-awful breakouts, which we've discussed before. Um, Talking about all that, I, I think when I look at this, it's just both things can be true. Yeah, and I think it, you're right with that because it's two different point of views from these two guys. Like, there's a very different look for a coach who's like been around and kind of understands what the NHL is all about. Like Bruce Boudreaux, he knows that his job is just to go out there and get wins. He's got to try and get the best players onto the ice in the best positions to get wins. Like that's all he's worried about is getting wins. That should be a coach's view on his team, general manager, and, and kind of the management and the higher ups. Their goal is to like. Get the get this team to a, a spot where they're competing for Stanley Cups multiple years in a row. I mean, that's something that obviously a coach wants to do. But on on just like the smaller scale view of it is that he needs to just win the game that's being played tomorrow night or the next night. It's not that view that I guess the general manager taking. Obviously, they want to get wins. They would love to, you know, be able to be a competitive team right now and be a team that's competing for a cup. But a smart management group is going to set you up for have the biggest window to have a potential to win a Stanley Cup. That's not the the really even the objective right now for Bruce Boudreaux. Like I said, his is more of a night to night basis, putting the best roster together and putting the best, not even roster, sorry, putting the best lineup together to go out there and get wins. So I'm, I'm with you. They're both right. But the reliance on the goaltending, I think is something that, that yeah, Boudreaux said he's not going to apologize for it. And you know, it's great to have one of the best goaltenders in the league, a guy that can carry you. But the way that management spoke about it is correct. Like, you kind of want to be able to take advantage of that goaltender. You don't want that to be the yes. reason why you can sneak out a win, you know, five to 10 times throughout a season. You want him to be the reason why you're winning the Pacific division. Like that's what you want to do when you have a goaltender that good. You want to surround him with enough players so that it's not about Demko being the reason you sneak into the playoffs. Demko should be the reason that you're in the top of your division. Like that type of goaltending, having that on your team is obviously a boost. It's something that every team wishes that they had. But you got to be able to surround it with something. And with the contract that Demko's on, you know, $5 million cap hit, you should be able to surround him with a team that makes 
makes it possible for them to take the best advantage of having one of the best goaltenders in the league. And to Bruce's credit, Chris, he did talk about working with Aiden Fox, who, by the way, was promoted uh, very recently, coming down today from Post Media's Patrick Johnson. I uh, spoke with Patrick Alvin about Aiden Fox getting promoted to director of analytics, which is very exciting. I, I heard, we've both heard a lot of great things about Aiden Fox over the years, uh, obviously. So fantastic news for Aiden Fox. Happy for him. Uh, nice to see the organization kind well, of let's, sticking Let's with quickly the guy. play the clip of uh, Boudreaux talking about uh, Thatcher Demko and saying yeah. that, you know, he's lucky to have him. He doesn't want to apologize for having good goaltending. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's a, it's a point of contention. I mean, I agree that uh, uh, we rely on the goalie, but that's, you know, every team relies on their goalie. Um, we had, you know, I mean, uh, we had some deficiencies in other places, but I mean, uh, our goalie would come up big, and every team needs a good goalie to win. I don't care who you are. You could be Colorado. If they don't get good goaltending from Kemper, they're not winning no matter how good they are. So uh, I, I sort of um, poo-poo the, uh, the assessment that, you know, your goalie kept you in it and everything. I mean, he was great, but I've never seen a team that was any good didn't have a great goaltender that kept him in it most nights. And you're going to see – no matter who ends up winning the Stanley Cup uh, this year, that it's usually the goalie that ends up being the best player on the ice. So it's uh, it's he is who he is. We're lucky to have him, and I'm not going to apologize for having great goaltending. So, like I said, both things can be true, right? Like Bruce Boudreau needs to get wins, and last year we actually saw kind of an example of what it looks like when the Canucks don't want to be over reliant on Demko, right? You look at Travis Green. Why am I having so many voice cracks right now? (laughs) You look at Travis Green when he started, right? When he started the year playing a very defensive system. And what did that result in, right? Not a lot of offense. Boudreaux, very offensive-minded guy. Maybe the defense wasn't much better than it was under Travis, but they outscored their deficiencies to an extent. And, you know, they got bailed out by Demko a lot of nights, which... That's what I mean when I say both things can be true. When when Boudreaux comes here and he assesses this roster, he's probably looking at it and saying, well, I have about one or two guys, most likely just one, who can consistently wheel the puck out of the zone, break the puck out of the zone with consistency, and you know is a really good puck-moving defenseman, like an above-average puck-moving defenseman. He's got like one or two of those at best on his team on any given night, right? So I think when he looks at it, that system that he played where... Sure, maybe there wasn't much structure, uh, especially in the defensive zone and breaking out of the zone, like Jim Rutherford said. Maybe it wasn't there as good as it should be, but to his credit, Boudreaux spoken about it. He said, whatever it was that wasn't working, it's going to get addressed and it's going to get fixed. He wants to learn analytics. Uh, Lachlan Irvin broke down both of these uh, interviews that we're discussing here, broke them both down on CanucksArmy.com. You can go read those uh, and get some more insight into what, exactly what was said about a, a plethora of topics. But um, I just wanted to give Boudreaux credit because I think you know him saying that, yes, there's a problem, and it, it, whatever the problem was, it's going to get fixed because he's determined to fix it. I think that's a good sign. I don't I don't read into this much as, a, oh, different messaging from, from management and coach. Like, yeah. It's it's not as big of a story as I think uh, people are making it out to be. No, and it's true. It's not like you know they were doing interviews together. I bet you get a very different answer. It just happened that they gave different opinions on, or not even different opinions, just a different viewpoint on certain topics, and that kind of stirred up the market or certain people in this market to uh, 
to make some assessments that there was some problems between them two. And obviously it wasn't like I, you know, even talking to Bruce Boudreaux and he was on the golf course there right after uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks announced he was coming back. Like he said, he hated keeping the Canucks waiting. Right. But he had some things to figure out for his personal life. I know that talked about his mom uh, back out east and getting her set up to so that he could know that like his family could move out here to Vancouver and get set up for next year. I think having a full off season for a coach is going to be huge. Like it's one thing to come in and inspire the guys and, you know, get them to have a great end to the season. And they did that. Like Boudreaux did an excellent job of giving the players confidence this year. But now with the full off season, I think that structure that the general manager and, and uh, Jim Rutherford talked about, that's what you're going to see this off season be something that's installed with this Canucks team. And it starts at training camp a lot of the time, right? This is where it's going to start. And to see that Bruce Boudreaux is going to have this work, like, yeah, it's huge. I think the off season is going to be huge for them to be able to develop the thing that management wants the most is structure. And it's hard to, really get your structure and when you join a team halfway through the year but now he's seen the players firsthand what they're good at what they're bad at and he's gonna be able to make a plan for the offseason to come with that structure for training camp we're recording this on friday so there's not a ton of clarity on this situation chris but scott walker uh out as assistant coach of the vancouver canucks so far uh that's all we know uh confirmed on the bob mccown podcast when bruce boudreau made an appearance there with john shannon and obviously uh bob mccown as well so this comes as a little bit interesting. I don't want to speculate too much, and I want to be clear that, again, I'm not reporting anything. I have reached out to the Canucks for comment. Uh, they're going to get back to me eventually. That'll be updated in the article on Canucks Army, but I don't want to speculate too much. Uh, and Price's Matt Sakaris reporting that it's not health-related, um, so there's that because, obviously, Walker took the puck off the head uh, in late January, had a ton of problems after that, uh, including... Uh, you know, landing on the COVID protocols list just two days after that. And then he was dealing with vertigo, different stuff um, that he was dealing with as a result of taking a puck at a high velocity to the head. He was back behind the Canucks bench a um, few months after. So that was good to see. Uh, Sakaris reporting that it is not health related, which then starts to make you ask a few more questions because you don't anticipate that it's performance related because he wasn't here that long. Right. And you also have to consider that Walker was the only coach that was hired alongside Boudreaux. Like, that's Boudreaux's guy, right? Yeah. Like, the way Bruce talked about him, especially when uh, Scott was away from the team when I was asking Bruce questions about him, uh, you know, this is a friend to Bruce Boudreaux, right? It's someone he greatly respects. It's somebody who has a lot of respect around the league. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to point out, and that's just that he had a good situation in Guelph, and his family's based in Ontario, and... I wouldn't be surprised if this is, again, not reporting anything, wouldn't be surprised if this is a family matter um, with Scott Walker, not like a family emergency or anything, just a, it makes more sense for me and my family to, you know, live in Ontario with my family, doesn't sure. want to uproot everybody. Again, not reporting anything, complete speculation here, which I hate doing, but it's just, I don't, what what I'm trying to say is I don't think this is a, Bruce is evaluating his coaching staff and says, oh, that's Scott Walker, he's really screwed everything up this year, so he's gone. I, that's, I'm just saying I don't think... That's what this is. Yeah, I think it could be mutual both ways. That maybe him going a different yeah. direction might be the better. What do they call it? Amicably, Amic- amicably, amicably. But actually, amicably, not like this yeah. organization uses. No, it. I mean this. This would be not this, like the last time this organization used. Maybe that when word. The, when the Canucks announcement is a good time to use that word, <laughs> then maybe change the way that Canucks fans look at that word. Um, yeah, it, it opens up the door now to see like there is an opportunity because assistant coaches obviously make a huge difference. You hear 
players talk about it. I know specifically like with myself dealing with the guys in the AHL all the time, they bring up the assistant coaches out there in Abbotsford all the time, right? They bring out that, you know, those are the guys that help you in certain aspects of the game, whether it be defense or special teams, like it's massive to have good assistant coaches. And I think Brad Shaw is a good example of a guy who a lot of people are pretty confident is a good coach. And I think him and Boudreaux might be able to work really well together with Shaw now running the penalty kill uh, and getting an opportunity to work with the defenseman as well and grow a game like Quinn Hughes. Like, I don't think it was, you know, remember that Brad Shaw interview that he did in the offseason when he got hired at Sportsnet 650 <laughs> and everyone went nuts. And it was like, he's going to change the defense. He's going to make Quinn Hughes a better two-way defenseman. I'm not saying it was all Brad Shaw. I think Quinn Hughes put in a lot of work, but yeah. there was a lot of improvement in, in Quinn Hughes's two-way game when Brad Shaw got here. I'm not just saying it was Brad Shaw. I think Quinn Hughes put in a lot of work and a lot of effort, but I'd have to say that Brad Shaw had to help at least anyways. He didn't he, hurt it, but he's not like, I don't think Brad Shaw is the reason that Quinn Hughes turned no, it around. But then look at other things on the defense. Look at Tyler Myers and Oliver Ekman Larson playing so well together defensively. Having a new coach in here running defense has to make a little bit of a difference. I guess, man. You, like, what I don't do you know, think Brad Shaw does? He just shows up? No, I don't want to blows the whistle a few saying. times. I don't want to discount what you're saying because I've seen the work that Bradshaw yeah. does with the groups, and I I completely like I don't know. I just I I think we're we're treading back into that territory of Bradshaw's no. gonna fix everything. Look what he did with Tyler Myers. Well, now you're saying the opposite. Like he's doing nothing. No, he's obviously I, I, doing I something. I again, I'm saying he definitely didn't hurt. But it's not like he reinvented Tyler Myers. No, but I mean that pairing looked a lot better than we've seen Tyler Myers. Sure, in the and past. then they were a tire fire at the end. Sure, but is I'm, that Bradshaw's fault? Maybe. But <laughs> you look at the Quinn Hughes pairing. Like Quinn Hughes looked a lot better sure, two way. Sure. And no, maybe, I, again, I don't disagree with having you. that type of the, like coach who's been around the league has to bring a lot of yeah, you're right, boost you're to right. the team. Like you know, I'm not saying that he's he's created Quinn Hughes into the next level. It's 100 percent on Bradshaw, but he, <laughs> there's no way it hurt. There's no way it hurt Quinn Hughes' development. How Brad Shaw reinvented Quinn Hughes. Right. Chris Faber's latest for Canucks Army. You know what? Brad Shaw, big hat guy. He wears hats. Big all hat guy. One of the only guys uh, you see on the ice always wearing a hat. You know why I really like Brad Shaw? His wife is a children's book author. Really? Yeah, Mary Shaw. I believe her name's Mary. I really hope I didn't get that wrong. Interesting. Yeah. She's a children's book author. Yeah. Any and uh, big big name hits I might know? Cat in the Hat, potentially? <laughs> <laughs> What's another one uh, where, where the wild things are? Yeah, I don't think that was Mary Shaw. No, it wasn't, wasn't Mary Shaw. Okay. <laughs> just So she's not a big time uh, children's oh uh, author. Just because those are the only two children's books you can name. Goosebumps. That's not a children's book. That's young. That's like young okay. adult. Yeah. No, no. I'm adults. talking like picture book. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's like a child. Like that's what children's literature. I had this book. I wonder if anyone else had this book growing up. Uh, when I was a kid, it was a, it was like a rainbow fish, and I feel like a oh, lot of I people had that had, book. Yeah, what was that book? I, I remember don't know. a lot of people had that book though. It was like a, a fish that had like really cool artwork in it, little little flashy purples and some pinks and mauve. Is that a color? Mauve. I don't know. They had some cool colors in that little rainbow fish I book, though. I remember that book. Yeah, Isn't everybody that book had about it. Being sick or having asthma. Maybe that's Mary Shaw's book right there. <laughs> We've just gone off the rails. We'll go to break. Uh, on the other side, we'll get to the poll question, uh, and then we'll break down a few more things. The Battle of Alberta, Chris. Yeah. Heating up. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation.
All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, we wanted to address, uh, you may have noticed that there's no longer ads with Parallel 49 uh, on the podcast. We'd like to thank Parallel 49 Brewing Company for their continued support for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, Two the, years, I think. Two Over two years, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, They've been here since I got They were here longer than I was. They, yeah, they were. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we wanted to thank Parallel 49 Brewing Company, who will no longer uh, be working with us, but wanted to thank them for their years of support. Uh, and, and it's time to fire it back up. If you want to advertise with us, folks, yep. shoot us a message. Well, we got Jolly, some beer Chris Faber 39 on Twitter. We got some beers, uh, some breweries already coming at us here. So, yeah. and you know what? Just saying this on the podcast of like, if you want to sponsor us, reach out. That's how we got Atlas Goods, mm-hmm. who we just re-upped with. We're very excited. Atlas Goods is going to be the uh, sponsor question. of the poll question. And we love working with Atlas. And the listeners, I'll tell you what, listeners love Atlas Goods. I, I think Atlas loves us, too, because we're like, the deal we signed was like, hey, we'll do a 30-second quick little read before the poll. And then we end up going on about Atlas for three and a half minutes sometimes, talking yeah. about nacho pork rinds. They're getting their money's worth. They are getting. <laughs> I hope they. Yeah, they are. Which, uh, you know, should we get to the poll question or should we break down this Rainbow Fish book? Because in the okay, break. quickly. Yeah, that's what it's called. The Rainbow Fish, it's right? It's called the Rainbow Fish. And I I googled it in the break. It's a children's picture book drawn and written by Swiss author and illustrator Marcus Feaster. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And translated into English by J. Allison James. The book is best known for its message about self-denial and for the distinctive shiny foil scales of the rainbow fish. It was turned into an HBO show, Chris. And really? When, when I say that, so I'm watching Sopranos right now. Okay. And, and I'm looking at HBO and I'm saying, whoa, HBO, like that's Game of Thrones. That's all this, you know. R-rated stuff. And I was like, did they turn the rainbow fish into like an adult show? But then I remembered HBO also has like Sesame Street. Oh, okay. I was wondering, yeah, they're selling the rainbow fish at the the fantasy factory when you go in there next time. (laughs) Not Rob Dyrdek's fantasy factory either. There's an HBO family, uh, family channel as well. So yeah, uh, the rainbow fish, very well known book. Hey, what's your favorite streaming service while you're at it then? You're, I know oh, you're Crave. I'm on Crave now, and Crave is fantastic. Watching Sopranos, you got oh man, it's fantastic. I, yeah. I really like Crave, but no free ads, and we're definitely not simping for Bell Media. I can tell you that much. No, it's sick. You seen that Rogers commercial that's coming in going around the playoffs? Oh, yeah, just crapping Dude, on. I didn't Bell. know you're. I thought you weren't. Allowed I didn't to, like, think you were allowed to do that either. Yeah, and then they just it, the way it's done is so good. Like especially now that I've taken all these classes, DCID. By the way, graduating here soon. Congrats. Submitted my final thing on a Friday morning. I feel so good. I feel like I lost 50 pounds as soon as I hit submit on that final thing. Like not being a full-time student anymore. Holy Hannah. I am stoked on that. But yeah, I didn't think you're allowed to just like dump on another company like that. That's ballsy. I That's well, awesome. I'll tell you what, like we should ask uh, man in the sky, Canberra. If we can start doing uh, anti-bell wreaths oh, <laughs> on our show on Sportsnet. Let's Cam, go. are we allowed to sh- poop on bell yep. on the show? Uh, okay. Our episode 264 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. The best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Locally owned company, folks. Local supporting local. Go check them out. Atlasgds.com. And people have reached out and asked, so I should say. I try to say a different fact about Atlas every time I do a read about them. But Uh should say, it looks like a small bag. But, oh, boy, those expand. When you put them in the microwave or the air fryer, those expand. So, you know, I, I know I had a few people reach out and say, I put way too much. Yep. You put, like, less than a cup well, and you're set. It's like popcorn kernels pretty much, but exactly, meat. Exactly. That, yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Okay, that's our their new ad campaign. It's, it's like a popcorn kernel. 
You can put the popcorn seasoning on. I've, I've told you the story about the time I put popcorn kernels and chili. You have. Okay, I'm not telling that one again. That's, I don't know if that was on the Patreon or, or on the That's real quite show. a story. We're going to do a Patreon after this, too, okay. so a good time to plug the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Uh, if we get five five new subscribers by the end of the month, Faber is going to eat uh, eat a big thing of seven layer dip. I saw we got a couple new ones, so three oh, away, really? I think, three or four away. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, our poll question today again. With a spoon, to too. <laughs> You're going to start with chips. Yeah, hickory sticks. Yes. Brought to you by Atlas Goods, Atlas GDS. And you know what? Quickly on the topic of the seven, these seven layer dip people, they're coming at me and the DMs are. I told Good. you, they are the worst kind of people oh, on this whatever. planet. The seven layer dip freaks, they come into me on my on my DMs now. I got, I'm like, every morning I wake up, two message requests. It's, listen to this show, your seven layer dip takes ridiculous. You're really going to say that? that yep. They're the worst people on earth? They're pretty, they're up there. <laughs> they're these awesome. seven layer dip stands, I, I don't like them that oh, much. Man. All right, our episode 264 poll question again brought to you by Atlas Goods. Oh, the what olives, you, the olives make the, shut okay, up. Okay, enough these. about the seven layer dip. What do you want to see happen on day one of the NHL entry draft? Chris, trade up to 7 to 12th, trade down to 22 to 29th, stay put at 15th, and as always, I'm angry. Chris, so far, 59% of voters saying they want to see the Canucks trade down to 22 to 29th. Uh, I'm part of that, I think. I think right now, and again, we've discussed this before, I think right now this organization should be stocking up on as many prospects as possible. You know, you just promoted Aiden Fox. Trust that analytics department. Trust your scouting staff to go get you a good prospect because the consensus out there is that after the first 12 picks, there's a drop-off in talent, but there's no consensus of what those top 12 picks are. So if you're drafting 15th, if it's if there's a guy that slides that another team really likes, again, I look at a guy like Brad Lambert. If there's a team that really likes Brad Lambert and he slips and the Cunks maybe aren't as high on him, don't be surprised to see a team trade up and the Cunks are able to trade down and get a couple picks. Yeah, Lambert's not the only one. Like uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki, like the out of Sweden there, he's going to be interesting to see because a lot of people are super high on him. But some people have him like at 20 to 25 in that range. So it's interesting to see he's a player that somebody might really want at 15. Connor Geeky's got like all the skills in the world, but his tape kind of screams like, you know, I'm not saying put him on the do not draft list, but the consistency there is pretty lacking. But team might be super high at him. Uh, Cutter Goche is another example of like you see him in the, in, with the United States national team and his shot is just it's electric. Like it is it is one of the strongest wrist shots in this draft. And Brad Lambert, you brought up the other name there, too, like. Four examples of players who I think like are, are the trade up potentials for these other teams that are sitting in that kind of 20 to 28 range. And yeah, I, I wrote about it at Canucks Army. I gave like five different uh, options. Montreal is the big one. Montreal makes so much sense because like they have the 29th overall pick in the draft, which is well projected 29th, depending on where Calgary finishes the playoffs. They're going to be in that 26 to uh, to 30 range. You know, maybe they win the cup and they're 32nd overall, whatever it is. I think that they're going to be a team that's kind of interested in in being a big winner on day one as they're hosting the draft in their home place of Bell Le Centre Bell there in uh, in Montreal and uh, I think they want to move up like from that uh, the second first round pick that they have to move up to that 15 spot they also have obviously the number one pick in the second round but it's like it's day two of the draft like I just feel like there's incentive for Montreal to move up and make a splash pick first overall, make Shane Wright be the guy there, but then have the 15th overall pick be like, Hey, look, and we also ended up getting this, this other player who was, you know, top seven on our board and Brad Lambert or, or, uh, you know, just 
certain players that I think they want to show off with a guy like Shane, right? I think Montreal is the team to watch, to, especially to trade up to that spot. Yeah, and you wrote about five trade options. Uh, you had Arizona there. You had a few others as well. Um, you can go read that at CanucksArmy.com. You wrote five trade-down options for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it's 22... 22- 2022, excuse me, NHL entry draft had a huge brain fart there. <laughs> no, it's um, the other one that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, everyone's like, don't trade within your division. The draft is totally different for that situation. You're not trading players or prospects at that point. You're trading draft picks. Anaheim makes so much sense. And it's basically like you can almost do the exact same trade that the Stars and the Red Wings made last year. Because Anaheim has, uh, we'll have the 22nd uh, overall selection in the draft, which is uh, Pittsburgh's, I believe. That makes sense. Yeah, Pittsburgh's pick, I believe, is uh, the one that the Anaheim Ducks have. Uh, They also have the 55th overall pick, which is Pittsburgh's as well. And then maybe their fourth-round pick or their fifth-round pick. And then you basically execute the exact same trade that happened last year at the draft between between Dallas and Detroit. And you move down seven picks. I think you get a really good player there at 22 still. Then you add that second-round pick. You add another late-round pick. The Canucks need to add picks. Anaheim is one that I'd watch too. Montreal and Anaheim. And then like you look at Arizona. It's like Arizona could do whatever the hell they want. Like Arizona could pick first at this upcoming draft if they really wanted to. They have enough draft capital to move up and take the number one pick away from Montreal. Like there, There's deals that Montreal can make or that, uh, that Arizona can make where it's like they can – they can draft whoever they want. They could pull off enough trades to to be able to draft Connor Bedard next year. They have that much draft capital that they could make it happen. I don't think they'll even have to make a trade. Well, they they, a, you know what? If they have a first round pick next year, there's a good yeah, chance skating around that uh, that Arizona State logo is not going to be a big boost for the. You know what? Uh, that was proven to be players. a false report. Was it? They can make their logo on center ice now. They oh, can make okay. Their logo, which would have like, been hilarious if they couldn't. That's these damn people at Bell. I seen the TSN tweets all about it. Oh, yeah, this is a good chance to crap on Bell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we also don't know the laws for crapping on companies. We were surprised by the Rogers commercial, and we're just like, oh, fair game. We're rolling with it, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, you had the exclusive that Aiden McDonough uh, says that his plan is to sign with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you, you wrote in the article that he didn't want to get radioed. Can you explain yes. that? Uh, I think there were certain things where he went on the Donnie and Dolly show. There was even clips like when he joined us. Uh, a lot of people got pretty worried because we asked him about it. This was before he decided to return to school for his final year at Northeastern. And a lot of people really didn't like his answer. Uh, and, and he talked about that a little bit with me, like just that he wanted to make it clear, like the quote that he gave me about that he is going to sign with with Vancouver at the end of the season. That wasn't even like during the interview. We, we chatted after and then he's like, make sure that like <laughs> this quote is the one that you use for like the title. And like, you know, I, I was like, well, can I tweet this out? It's just like the quote on its own. He's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, okay, perfect. Because he didn't want to get radioed again like he did last time uh, with us. And people took that clip and they, they didn't like that. And the same thing with Donnie and Dolly. I think there was a similar thing because he, he, was, he really wasn't sure if he was going to sign like at the end of the year. I don't think he knew until kind of the season ended and he really started to make some decisions, but there was a lot of support. The way that he talked about Ryan Johnson dealing with him was like Ryan Johnson just completely gained his trust over this time and helping him make a decision. So that was huge for him. He's going to be the captain next year of Northeastern. Uh, they have the best goalie in the NCAA coming back off of a season where like, I think his save percentage was like nine fifty eight, like on the year. Like that's wild. Devin Levi is going to be excellent for them again. And the expectation should be for him to be, a top three scorer and maybe even the top scorer in the NCAA next year. But for him, I asked him like, what are the expectations for you goal scoring wise? And he's like, he's not setting any this year. He wants to, the expectation for him 
is to develop a pro game this year. He wants to start in the offseason, obviously, but he wants to be able to play pro hockey as soon as the season's over. And that's going to be with Abbotsford or that's going to be with Vancouver, depending on what happens, where the Vancouver Canucks are at next year and kind of how his season goes, right? Like, I think I talked about it on the last episode. He could be in the NHL, depending on like how good he actually is this year is going to be kind of one of the deciding factors on if he goes to the AHL or if he goes to the NHL, but could also be the way that that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin want to deal with players in his situation where this might be a really good example of a guy who marinates in the AHL for like all of this year or or just like the end of the year when he joins a team, but maybe like even like all of next year, you know, he's he's going to be 23 years old next season. Maybe we don't even like see him into the NHL until he's 24, 25 is one of these examples of players that, they've done so well within Pittsburgh of bringing up a guy who's 25, 26, and then he just hops up and plays with Sidney Crosby out of nowhere, right? Like we've seen Pittsburgh do that in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the development with, uh, with Aiden McDonough, but he's been uh, the way that he spoke about dealing with Canucks management, how excited he was about, you know, having a hall of famer like Jim Rutherford be running this organization was huge to him. And, and Ryan Johnson was the one that he Basically, like he said that like Ryan Johnson's one of the best guys he's ever talked to in the hockey world about things like and he said that everything that Ryan Johnson like gave him advice on, like came to fruition or like things that he gave him little tidbits did like they worked so well. And he said that like those type of things like really gained his trust because like every piece of advice that RJ gave him worked or helped his game or helped him, you know, make a decision. So that was kind of interesting here. He was really high on uh, talking about RJ. Come on, man. What's going on here? He was really high. All right, your hat's on too tight today or something. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so giggly today. I had a little coffee. Yeah, and sorry, not to jump away from, from prospects, uh, because I know you have some more, and I've got some stuff on Seelovs as well. But Chloe Primerano. Uh, Very cool. Story. Yeah, North Van kid. Uh, good Italian name. You got okay, the vowel go. there. <laughs> Drafted into the WHO. Uh, Vancouver Giants selecting her in their own backyard from the BWC Program, very mm-hmm. good program there. Uh, Chloe Primerano, defenseman uh, with the Burnaby Winter Club, models her game after Quinn Hughes. Love that. Uh, first female skater to be selected in the CHL, any like the OHL, QMJHL, uh, WHL, all of them. First female skater. There was a mm-hmm. goalie selected uh, before, but yeah, congrats to Chloe. That's fantastic, and she's the first female. Uh, to be selected in yeah, the WHL she, draft. She, I love how it's like, she's the first female to get selected in the CHL draft. And the first thing you do is like, it's good to see another Italian getting a chance at the <laughs> WHL here. Representation <laughs> matters, like, baby. The, the freaking Italians, I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, what a, what a cool story. I know that um, I seen Reese Jessup was tweeting about it earlier, just like mm-hmm. kind of a, a name to keep an eye on at the WHL draft. And I didn't really know about this story until uh, basically just a couple hours before uh, and to see it come to fruition, really awesome. I've seen a couple clips, and man, she can move. Like she's a she's a good skater, controls the puck really well, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that development goes. And uh, good on the Giants for taking a swing on her. You know what's crazy? The kids that are getting drafted, like she's fifteen. Like she's obviously not an NHL draft, but she's fifteen years old. That it's is like wild. A, it's like a two thousand seven born yeah, draft. Yeah, seven born, making me feel old. Nineteen yeah. points uh, in thirty games for Chloe uh, with the Burnaby Winter Club U fifteen prep team. So, yeah, like I said, quads, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. But these 2007s are getting drafted. You're going to start feeling old pretty soon. I turn 30 next year. You know what I'm? You know what I'm looking at here? I'm just looking at her stats real quick. Mm-hmm. Two penalty minutes through 30 games. There you go, smart player. Like as a defenseman, that's pretty good. Like that'll that'll get you Lady Bing votes. Yeah. Right. 
I don't know if they have a Lady Bing award in the WHL. I'll tell you, in the Burnaby Winter Club, they just keep uh, firing out these people, man. I tell you, they got a good program over there. You know this, Quads. Yep. It's your backyard there. Yeah. Grandview Steelers, baby. Yeah. Be interested right. to see what happens where they're in the development with the Giants. I'm super curious to, to continue to follow this story. It's it's awesome. It's cool to see happen, and uh, especially like our local team here, the Vancouver Giants being the, the team to draft her. It's yeah. awesome. Again, congrats to Chloe. Battle of Alberta. We've got this written on the outline, Chris. Battle of Alberta. Absolute shocker. In game one. Oh, man. <laughs> Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers. Looks like Calgary's going to win this series, does it not? Based on that first game. Because the way I look at it, Chris, Markstrom was not on his game at all. Like, that was a bad Markstrom performance. I'm pretty sure that was like a pretty average to good Miko Koskinen, Mike Smith yeah. performance. You know what yeah, I mean? That's... Like, that's about what you can expect yeah. uh, from those two goaltenders. So, I think... At the end, at the end of the day, I think Calgary's going to take this series, and I think they're going to do it pretty handedly. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they just have, you know, unless you get, and you're going to get this type of performance from Connor McDavid for sure that he's going to be unreal, probably the best player in the series. But he needs to be like the best player in this series, and then some. You know, he has to be at that level for them to even stand a chance. And when you have Jacob Markstrom on the other side, and he, you know, hopefully has a bounce back game and isn't letting up six goals, but. It's going to be a real tough battle for McDavid, who really needs to carry this team. I mean, that's like, sorry, but that's the way this Oilers team's built, really, right? Like, they need to rely on him being the guy who drives so much of the offense. And it just feels like Calgary's got, you know, the one of the best lines in hockey, obviously. Uh, it was good to see them get going a little bit. And, man, I tell you, like, you know, and this is something that I, that I wanted to bring up just quickly a little bit, because I know Jim Rutherford in an interview brought up that he wants to add more sandpaper to the lineup sandpaper type players not just throw sandpaper on the ice <laughs> he wants to add some sandpaper type players he's sandpaper in the rink right now as yeah. they get those renos started well yeah they got to start somewhere <laughs> maybe can... that's what he was talking about he's talking about these renovations and he's just saying we need more sandpaper yeah, and everybody's yeah. like oh he's talking about players no jim's talking about the construction company yeah middle of the interview somebody got in his ear and it's like we're out of we're out <laughs> oh, of oh uh, and we need more sandpaper hey, we're making a run to home depot you need anything <laughs> yeah we need more sandpaper uh no i mean just watching with calgary like you know, Zadorov, Goodbranson, uh, Lucic, even like Kachuk is not really the tough guy, but you know, he's, he's yeah. able to stir things up. Totally. Like it, it is interesting to watch Calgary play in the playoffs and start to, it's not something that I think you realized all year long, all season long on like how big and strong they actually are. But for the Oilers who just had to roll through the LA Kings, who's like biggest and strongest defenseman was who like. Alex Edler was he like the big strong <laughs> tough guy on the defense core it, it is interesting to see how those big defensemen end up working for you in the playoffs but at the same time you look at like Colorado who has you know Sam Girard as like their shutdown defenseman who's not a very big guy but they're able to do it as well so it's going to be interesting to see like which way teams want to go in the offseason uh, do you want to go the Colorado route? Do you want to go the Calgary Flames route? It might come down to like who wins that Western Conference final if those are the two teams that get there. So to hear Rutherford mention that you want more sandpaper, I'm curious if that's on the back end uh, or in the forward group because I think you can always find sandpaper forwards uh, in the in free agency, right? You know, Zach McEwen's going to be available if you want to add him on the fourth line. Players like that, maybe Jonah Gadjevich, you know, these type of players that you can maybe add to your fourth line, uh, they might be available, some of these guys, but the tough thing for me is like, can you find the really big, strong defenseman who can also just skate a little bit and move the puck? Because you need to be able to do that in the NHL. 
And it just feels like like watching the Doroff play, watching Good Branson play, the way that they've simplified the, the situation for Good Branson, where there's no expectation for him to be a top four defenseman. But like it feels like throughout this run that Calgary's been on, this early run in the playoffs, like there's times where Good Branson looks like a top four defenseman. Like he's able to just play a really simple game and make plays like that and still be a, a guy who you'd like to have around after scrums. And Zadorov, like he probably needs to chill a little bit. Like he's, mm-hmm. but like I tell you, at the same time, you want that guy on your team if you're in playoff situations. Like controlling, I, I just think of how many times like Demko got bumped this year or sticks went. Like you remember all? Like I felt like every game against Minnesota that the Vancouver Canucks yep. played this past year, how many times were there sticks going into Demko's gut or like onto his glove? Like you can't allow that, man. Especially when what we talked about earlier was like Demko's probably the biggest, you know change from win to loss record on this Vancouver Canucks roster. He he brings you wins and if he's not there, you likely have a lot more losses. You got to protect that guy in the same way that Edmonton would protect Connor McDavid. Like that's why I think you need to add this sandpaper. I think Rutherford noticed that and it was clearly on display in games against teams like Minnesota that were extra like pesky towards Thatcher Demko. So I I I think they are going to add those type of players. I think it's going to be on the back end, but it'll be interesting to see if they add a forward or two that, you know, kind of fits in as like the 13th guy but hey you're playing minnesota it's time to call on that guy to step into the lineup and not let that happen to demko every play i wonder if radko gudas is ever an option that's a name that i threw out a couple you years love radko i like right? radko gudas yeah well i don't actually but okay. i don't know it's it's tough to say i have a love-hate relationship with radko gudas okay prospects do you have anything beyond uh McDonough, because I've got something on Seelovs. Yeah, I talked to uh, Jacob Truscott and Hugo Gabrielson as well. Gabrielson's going to be out. Uh, he's got surgery next month, so six months. I might have said that on the last podcast. Shoulder, right? Yeah, shoulder for him. Defenseman. He's not He's not going to be able to be a development camp, but talking to Jacob Truscott was pretty interesting. Like, didn't cover a ton of his season. I watched a handful of his games, which was funny because I like I go to talk to him and I'm like, yeah, like I saw you playing with Owen Power a bunch. Like I saw you like getting the opportunity to be on the right side. And he's like, yeah, I did that for like a, a handful of games this year. And I was like, oh, sorry, man. Those must have been like the handful of games that I watched because most of the year he played with uh, with Luke Hughes um, as his partner. And, and Luke played the right side, uh, even though both are left shot guys. So a lot of people were hoping that Truscott was going to get that time on the right. He did play some time on the right side, but that was mostly when he was playing with uh, power. But now the goal for him, and you know, this is kind of the expectation that I heard around some of these people from Michigan, some of the sorts that I talked to that cover them sources, some of the sauces I talked to over there in Michigan, they were saying that like, you know, Truscott could be the top pairing guy next year, right? Because I think the expectation is for Luke Hughes to be the number one defenseman for Michigan next year, play the right side. And he had a lot of success this year with Truscott as his partner. I think that was the the most consistent partner they had all year long when we're talking about Luke Hughes. So that pairing might just end up being the number one. And that's huge for Jacob Truscott's development. He, he played in a much more defensive role this past year, really worked on being able to be a consistent penalty killer. And, and when he plays with Hughes, he has to stay back because Luke Hughes activates so much. And he's always like going into the cycle and creating offense. And, and Truscott kind of like had to learn to be the stay at home defense, which is something that he's never really done before. But now he's trying to keep that in his back pocket, but add a little bit more, just a little bit more offense, I think, is what he kind of wanted to do next year. He was a guy who was really offensive with the United States national team, but now he's got a he's he's adjusted over these past two years to adding that really defensive minded player, and uh, I think that's what he wants to do next year. And he's super excited for development camp. He's one of those guys that hasn't met any Canucks prospects, like because yeah, COVID, the situation, the Canucks not having development camps, like the guys that have been drafted in the last two years haven't 
and able to meet each other, you know? So it's going to be so cool. I know that's, that's something you talked about. The other interesting thing was like all the prospects that I've talked to in the last week, they've all brought up how competitive they're expecting like this, this development camp to be. And it's kind of interesting because it's like, I can't remember like what development camp was even like really. Right. Like yeah, it's been you were so long. At a mill last time. Yeah, exactly. I've never like, I've never been to a development camp. I don't, I was just graduating high school. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> not know, even a joke. No, it's not. I like we don't like, I just, I haven't seen it yeah, with my own eyes. So I'm really curious to see how, how they can be super competitive. Cause that's what all of the players that I've talked to who are going to the development camp have said, like they're excited for the competition. They're excited to like, prove the way that they stack up against these other prospects in the Canuck system. So that's that kind of gets me a lot more excited for this uh July development camp that we're gonna see here pretty soon. Like to see, you know, Aiden McDonough and Lucas Forcell match up together, to see Linus Carlson hop into a lineup, to see where Truscott looks like, what Victor Parison's gonna play, where does he fit? Is he a pro next year? Like there's so many questions about this team. What does the first round pick look like? Who do they draft? Like it's going to be really fun, man. Like I'm really getting more excited. And I think talking to the prospects is getting me even more excited now uh, for that development camp in July. Cause I, I just thought it was going to be, you know, like the guys get to meet each other. They have some practices, but I'm curious to see like how they crank it up at this thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Archer Seelofs comes in. He'll be at development camp. Yeah, he will. 11 shots, 11 saves. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens, starter for Team Latvia, got shelled 5 nothing after the first period uh, in Latvia's game against the Czech Republic at the AAHF World Championships. Silovs comes in to start the second, uh, faces 11 shots over the final 40 minutes. Perfect on all of them. Uh, so it worked, as the Abbotsford Canucks tweeted. Hashtag play Silovs was what they were tweeting out, and uh, it actually worked. Silovs got into a game. Good for Silovs. Good for his development. Nice to see him, uh, you know, getting just experience, getting to work with Elvis Merzlikens. And I haven't spoken to uh, Curtis Sanford or Ian Clark about this, but getting I know those guys are going to be happy that Seelovs is getting the chance to watch the work habits of Elvis Merzlikens, you know, getting a chance to be around him. Again, countrymen and everything. Uh, getting the chance to be alongside uh, Elvis Merzlikens is very good for Archer Seelovs' development. Do you have anything else before we close out, Chris? Because uh, I think I'm all good. No, uh, haven't had a review in a while on the pod. I want to get that in there. Okay. And we haven't had one since uh, April 16th. Please give us a five-star review. From Pete. Should say. Pete was our last one here. Good for Pete. And uh, the one before that was A-F-F-F-F-C-F-G-J-H-G-F. So after the girlfriend. Uh, was the second last review that we got. So we let's get a review on the old Apple machine there. Give us a yeah, Apple podcast five star reviews. We're getting you know we were I tell you I don't know we must have been slipping. We dropped down to four point eight stars. So shows falling apart. Quads going to fantasy factory after this. <laughs> we need to get back up to that four point nine because we're not can't tell the, me what to do, Dad. We're not getting that five star anymore. Got too many of these one star reviews. <laughs> Buddy with the, we piss people off. Yeah, and the guy who hates the intro, he's given us one star. He said the yeah. intro's too long. Make sure counts to tell us he hates the intro. Yeah. So we need a couple head over to the old Apple podcast. I shortened today's intro. It was only a minute thirty. Okay. Well yeah. we'll 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 work on it. I think we'll we want to get to like seventy three seconds would be nice. I think that's the sweet spot. But then people are gonna still be like, Oh, it's a minute of my life. I'm never gonna get back. Anyways. Okay. That's all I got. I'm done. I that um like I said, prospect probably coming. Another prospect interview on the midweek show Fantastic. next week. We need Harmon back. Someone asked where Harmon is. And yeah. It's been well, while. we might not have Harmon uh, next week. He's off. Uh, he might be off for a little bit. Oh, my gosh. But we'll Typical. See. Here comes the yeah. money.
Here we, we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. That's the reason why he hasn't been here lately. He's asked for a raise after yeah. after he got an intro for some reason. He asked for another raise. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't afford hard. Unbelievable. Anymore. We we might have somebody next Friday. I don't think I want to announce it yet, but we're gonna have an exciting co-host right. on yeah, Friday. I think we will have uh, two guests next week. You know, yeah, on the midweek and the weekend show. Yeah. Sorry, Harmon. <laughs> All right, we'll close it out there. We don't got to pay these prospects, baby. <laughs> we got to pay Harmon. <laughs> All right, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? <laughs>